but just one thing that I, I would always remind people is the way in which Gen Z communicates is also very different than the way that we were previously used to. I would just keep in mind that like they prefer short, more frequent communication as opposed to like kind of longer, more drawn out communication. I'm Becca Poutney, wedding business marketing expert, speaker, and blogger, and you're listening to the Wedding Pros Who Are Ready to Grow podcast. I'm here to share with you actionable tips, strategies, and real-life examples to help you take your wedding business to the next level. If you are an ambitious wedding business owner that wants to take your passion and use it to build a profitable, sustainable business doing what you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get going with today's episode. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to personally invite you to be part of the Wedding Pro Members Lounge. You may not know, but I set up the Members Lounge back in 2019 as a way to bring amazing wedding business owners just like you together and to offer them the best available training to help them grow their wedding business, make more sales and be the best version of themselves. We have an amazing community of like-minded people who lift each other up, pass work onto each other, collaborate on styled shoots and so much more. Every single month we have a guest expert come to teach you the most important things about business. And the great thing is that you're always getting that really new relevant training. So when there's changes on Instagram or Facebook, I'll bring in a new expert to help you stay ahead of the game. There's also Accountability Monday where you get me every single Monday morning coming into the group, motivating you, getting you started for the week and telling you what I've been learning. If you're not yet part of a tribe and you want to find wedding business owners just like you, you want to learn and you want to grow your wedding business for success, take a look in the show notes and come and join us now. Go.beccapountney forward slash wedpro. Today, I'm chatting with Randy Bushell, founder and CEO of Merry. Merry is a 3D design tool for wedding pros, which allows you to build a 3D model of the wedding day setup so you can bring a couple's vision to life in real time. Named as an industry disruptor by Authority Magazine and listed as one of Ventex's 100 most influential people, she really knows her stuff. I'm always incredibly impressed when I talk to tech founders as it's a huge undertaking to create a piece of industry software and I would just not know where to start with it. So I'm really looking forward to diving into the conversation about tech and why it matters to today's couples. Randy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you. And as I said in the intro, I just love talking to people that start tech businesses because I think it's so cool, but it also just blows my mind because I have absolutely no idea how you even end up doing something like that. So before we talk about like today's couples and technology, I want to get into a little bit about your own business story so that my listeners can understand who you are and what you're all about. So as I said in the intro, you've launched this tech company. Where did that idea come from and how have you got to where you are now? Yeah, it was a bit of an unconventional path to say the least. I thought of the idea when I was planning my own wedding. So this wasn't something where, you know, I worked in the industry and and saw an opportunity. I was kind of the, the couple and really struggled to make decisions for my wedding, specifically as it related to what it was going to look like. So how did I know what linens to rent? And, you know, as it came down to like day of stationery and lighting and florals, like how was this all going to come together and how was I supposed to tell my vendors what I wanted? And so I found myself kind of like cobbling it together in in a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) And I was just like, you know, that kind of stereotypical cliche, like there has to be a better way moment. And at the time I was working at a, at a tech startup 
in the e-commerce space. So I spent the first 10 years of my career in e-commerce. And so this little light bulb went off in my head. I was like, I'm looking for all of these physical products, right? Linens, lighting, et cetera, to pull into my event, which is kind of like a, a transaction, right? So I said, how can I create like a new shopping experience specifically for an event that allows you to design every element of your event and then see like where you can purchase those items, how much it's going to cost you, et cetera. So it's kind of bridging my e-commerce experience with the events industry. And then we took a lot of inspiration, for lack of a better term, from actually the interior design and construction markets, because they leverage a lot of 3D technology to help you understand what your new home is going to look like. If you, you know, renovate it, or here's what this sofa and this dining table will look like, and, you know, see it all come together. So there was this kind of perfect moment of this exists in other industries, we could bring it to this industry. And I felt this personal pain point that was drawing me to build it myself. I love that. I love that you started it when you were planning your own wedding. I talked to so many wedding industry professionals who start out planning their own wedding and then just want to stay in weddings forever because we love the industry and it it kind of keeps you in that wedding bubble. And you identified a problem. So you realized it's there is no tool that exists that allows you to pull these things together. So how do you go from that feeling of, I wish something like this existed, which lots of people have, to actually physically going about setting something up? So I think the first step I took was finding a co-founder who was an engineer, right? So I've always worked in tech, but I'm not an engineer. I can't write code. So I remembered working with an engineer at the company that I had been at previously, and he was just fantastic, both technically as well as just a a pleasure to work with. And it's a funny story. They, they say there's such thing as like founder's luck where, you know, obviously the right set of circumstances has to align and you have to work hard, but there are certain things that have happened along the way that I've just, I've gotten lucky. And my co-founder was one of them. When I told him my idea, he didn't know anything about planning weddings. I told him the idea and he said, you know, that I, as a, as a passion create video games, right? And I said, first of all, I didn't know that. Second of all, why is that relevant? <laughs> he said, well, what you're asking me to build is literally a video game. And so for, for those listeners who are familiar with a video game like The Sims, Mary is built on very similar technology. So you're literally building a video game that allows people to create their event instead of like, you know, create a little world in, in The Sims. And so that was one of the luckier things that happened to me. So finding the right person to do this with, if you need a partner, not too dissimilar, by the way, where if you're producing an event and you need to find the right vendor team um, is key. And then the second thing was just starting to put pen to paper. So how do we build a roadmap for getting from today, which was, we have nothing. It's literally, we have an idea on a napkin to launching what's called an MVP or a minimum viable product. So you mentioned before building a tech product is daunting and it's hard. And like, you know, this whole conversation around where do you even begin? You want to build everything under the sun, but the fact of the matter is, is you have no customers, you have no money and you have to figure out like, what do you absolutely have to build in order to put something on the market and test it and learn and start generating income. And so we really just had to spend time figuring out what that looked like. And then we just started marching towards that. Amazing. You make it sound so simple, but actually the tips that you give (laughs) come down to all good business. It's about 
collaboration and just being brave enough to take the steps forward and do it. And although people listening might not be thinking, I want to start a tech business, I bet they're listening and thinking, I've had this idea or I wanted to grow my business in this direction and I'm just fearful to do it. And actually just hearing your story, yeah, it's about finding the right people to help you on the way and it's about taking the steps in the right direction to actually launch it is incredibly inspiring. And I took a little look at your software before we had this conversation. And I love that description now of you saying it's a bit like a video game because it it makes total sense to me. I play a game. I'm going to be totally honest (laughs) here. I play a game on my Nintendo Switch, sometimes like where you build a hospital and you've got to build all the little rooms and, you know, make the hospital successful. And actually that really resonates because it is exactly the same. You're trying to put the colors on the wall and you're trying to put the right equipment in the right places. So I absolutely love that. And we'll talk a little bit more about your software in a little while as well, because I know people will be interested. But the subject I really wanted to get into with you while I've got you here today is around kind of technology and the next generation of couples who are coming through our books and how technology intersects with Gen Z, as we call them. Now, I am a definite millennial, okay? I am born in 1986. I am full-on millennial. And so all of my mindset is around millennials. And for a long time, that's who's been getting married, right? I went to millions and bazillions of weddings uh, through my 30s. And as I get later and later on into my 30s, I'm realizing, okay, now people are getting married are the generation below me, which is Gen Z. So what is Gen Z? Who are they? How do we identify them? Yeah, so Gen Z is this very, you know, it's funny that you mentioned I'm a millennial because I am too. And I, I remember being younger in my career, hearing businesses talk about how do you capture, you know, millennials and how do you sell to them? And it used to make me cringe a little bit because like hearing people talk about you in a way in which feels like unfamiliar to you and like a super scientific, so it's really uncomfortable, but now here we are doing it for Gen Z and they truly are. I mean, every generation is, is unique. Right. That's why we kind of we kind of batch them. But I think the best way to understand Gen Z is to think about the two generations kind of before them and and where they grew up. So I look at it starting from the year 2000. Think about who was getting married at that point. Right. Um, In the year 2000, that was kind of the birth of the blogosphere. Everyone became a blogger. Everybody had access to all of this information that they previously didn't have access to unless you like went to the library and rented a book. And so this gave birth to what I call the informed consumer. So people who were getting married in the early 2000s had a ton of information, which was probably somewhat frustrating to uh, wedding pros at the time because, you know, people probably thought that they knew more than you or knew just as much as you. But, but at the end of the day, they were informed. And so your job had to kind of change from informing people to kind of helping them curate the information that they had access to and delivering on that. 10 years later, 2010 exactly, both Instagram and Pinterest launched in that same year. People don't realize that, but it was this like marked time in in tech that translated from kind of written content to, to imagery. as as content. And that gave rise to what I call the inspired consumer. And here's the millennials, right? So, so we kind of grew up as it relates to, you know, our young adult and getting married in this world where everybody had access to all of this inspirational content. Um, and we were able to point out a picture and say, I want that. 
also separate frustrations <laughs> for the planner who had to deal with that because sometimes you see a picture that's five times your budget and you kind of had to explain that to people. But so there we have the inspired consumer and that's what we've been working with for the past, call it 10, 12 years. And so now bring us to this conversation where everyone's like, Gen Z feels different. Like, who are they? And I call them the innovative consumer. So we've gone from informed to inspired to innovative. And I call them innovative for really two reasons. The first is Gen Z does not know life before the iPhone, before instant gratification. And so there is no world where they do anything in their life that is not tech enabled and kind of gives them you know, immediate access to whatever they want and need at the time. And then the second thing is they expect that tech to like do something for them. That could be doing better for the world. That could be, you know, uh, creating some very unique event that feels very unique to their identity. So they're not just, you know, using technology like we've talked about for the past few years to like automate processes, right? They're using technology more intentionally. So they're both like innovative and intentional with all of their actions and they expect anyone that they work with to be the same. Okay, that's really interesting looking back and thinking about those different generations. And something that really sparked for me there was I got married right in 2010. I was quite young when I got married. I was 23. So for a millennial, I was a bit on the younger end, but I got married right in 2010. And often now in my work, people say to me, what was your wedding like? Tell me about the wedding you planned. And I always say, I feel like my wedding was before the birth of wedding inspiration because there wasn't all these pictures and there wasn't all of these styles. And I just had like a really plain, simple wedding because all of these things didn't exist. And now you're explaining to me that those things literally didn't actually burst onto the scene in 2010, which makes total sense. And so you can see how that technology really impacted the wedding industry because couples after me had the Pinterest perfect weddings. They saw the barns converted with jam jars and hessian. And, you know, we've been through all of those iterations that just didn't exist before. So if we see how powerful that impact had between 2010 and and the present day, then I am sure, exactly as you said, we're going to see a huge impact as we move on to that next generation with all of the other things that have come in now, where we're starting to see the rise of AI, more technology, all of the things. So when it comes to weddings specifically then, so we've identified the different kinds of people and what Gen Z is. What makes a wedding couple different if they are from that Gen Z era? So I'll start with where they think they might be different, but they're not. And then I'll get into the actual differences. (laughs) So going back to something I said a little while ago is, you know, they want, they think that they're truly unique and they want to create an experience that feels and looks and is truly unique. I think that anybody who's planned weddings professionally knows that while there are unique elements that you can bring to to an event, you know, there's there are themes and trends for for a reason. So I think that what we will all have to do with Gen Z is kind of like recognize those themes, but get even more creative with how to make things feel unique for for their particular tastes and what they're trying to deliver on. And I think it goes back to, you know, they didn't know life before Instagram and Pinterest. So 
it's not interesting to them to replicate somebody else's event. It's just not right. It was interesting for us because we didn't have that growing up. And now we can be like, wow, look at all these amazing images. I want this from here and this from here and this from here. They want to recreate things, you know, not just kind of not copy it, but you know what I mean? Now moving on to kind of really what makes them unique. They are very, very, very self-reliant. And as a, you know, vendor or pro that they're hiring, they want to see you as, as a partner in that. So what do I mean by that? They don't want to sign a contract and then not hear from you until three months before the event, <laughs> which is the typical, you know, timeline that that happens, right? We're all busy planning the event that's happening this weekend. I can't talk to you about your event that's happening in a year. And so what I've been recommending is create that roadmap for your couples so that even though you're not getting super, super involved until the time that fits into your business, they know what's happening either behind the scenes or things that they can do on their own. Literally, tactically, what I what that could look like is a checklist, you know, for all of the months out and giving them access to certain, you know, folders in a Google Drive you have for them or certain, you know, modules in a platform that you use for, for project planning. They want to feel like they are doing things on their own and, you know, contributing and feeling like they're setting the tone but in a collaborative way with you. That's a really interesting way to look at it, that they want to be a partner rather than you just telling them, this is what's going to happen. They want to be involved in the process. And they also want that constant communication. I was Interestingly, I was reading a book just this last week and it was talking about technology and it was talking about dominoes pizza and how when you order a pizza now, it comes up with the little pizza thing and it literally tells you like, we're cooking your pizza, your pizza's out for delivery. And then you can track your pizza all the way to your door because we want to know all the information and the amount of people that were phoning into Domino's to either complain about their pizza or to ask questions went down massively because all of a sudden we were in control knowing something was happening. And when we know nothing, we're more likely to question it. So it sounds like what you're saying is along a similar vibe that people don't like to not know. They don't want to just sign the contract and not hear anything from you. They want to be involved and hear from you periodically all the way leading up to their wedding. Yes. And I, I love your Domino's analogy. I think that's a great analogy. I also hear people call it like the Amazon Prime effect because not only is it, you know, I order something and I get it in two days, but you can track exactly where your order is along the way. And when I worked in e-commerce, we actually had this chart that showed like customer happiness along the journey. Think about like, you know, those pain charts that exist in doctor's offices. That's like a happy face versus to like a really angry face. So when someone places their order, like they pay for it, it's like almost a peak, right? They're happy. I found what I wanted for great. And then they go into a valley while they're waiting for it, you know, and then, you know, maybe they get one update and, and their, you know, serotonin goes up a little bit. Anyways, the point is that you have this valley between when somebody orders something until they get it of like negative consumer emotions. And it's pretty similar. I think when you're planning a wedding where like you book the vendor, you feel like you found the perfect fit. I, you know, interviewed so many people. I went to go see so many venues like, yes, we found it. Check it off my list. And then there's all these things that happen six, nine, 12, however, you know, much time you have until the wedding where you can actually, as the vendor, planner venue, whomever, control 
what that valley feels and looks like for them instead of just letting it happen. That's so interesting. There's so many interesting insights coming out of this conversation. And I think one thing people are going to be saying to themselves now is, okay, that's great, but that sounds like a whole lot more work. Are there ways that people can automate this? Is it something you think that if they kind of have a system going so that people are on board with it? Obviously, the man at Domino's isn't just sitting there waiting to like tap. Your pizza's cooking. It's all automated. So what can we as wedding pros do to make this process not super time consuming? Yeah. So I think the good news is that there's probably a formula that you can follow for for most of your events. And they'll either all follow the same formula or there are certain branches along the way that you can still kind of like codify. Meaning if the event is of this size or if it's an event of this type, right? Or it's this season, whatever it is, there might be different sub processes that have to happen, but there's a known set of, you know, combinations that you can automate. So what I do whenever I'm trying to automate parts of our process and what I recommend people do is let's just map out the process. So from point A of when they sign the contract to point Z of the event happening, what are the big milestones? Maybe one milestone is finalizing, if if you're a planner, right? Finalizing the catering and finalizing whomever. So there's milestones for finalizing vendors. Maybe there's milestones for finalizing guest lists. If you're the venue, you obviously are going to have different milestones. So depending on kind of who you are in the mix, just map out what are the different milestones. And then under each milestone, when do those need to happen? So like T minus three months, T minus 90 days, whatever, whatever it is from the event. And then within each milestone, is there a document that they need to fill out? Is there, you know, a payment that needs to be made? Like what has to happen in order for that milestone to be marked complete? So that's where you should start. And what you should really have is, you know, somewhere probably between four and 10 milestones. Again, it depends on the type of event pro that you are. And then a list of the things that the couples either needs to provide you or things you need to do with them, conversations you need to have along the way. You now have your milestones, you have the timing of them. Now you can set up, well, how does this happen? There are a lot, a lot, a lot of project management tools on the market. Some of them are wedding specific. This again is not where where Mary plays. We are, you know, a specific, you know, design and floor planning tool in this. And then some of them are what we call like horizontal software. So they go across industries. It's not wedding specific. So some project management tools that exist, things like Asana, Airtable. There's so many of them. I'm blanking on the rest of them, (laughs) but Trello. Thank you. Oh my God. Trello, Asana, Airtable. I feel like those are the really big ones. We, we use Airtable at Mary actually. And the beautiful thing about all these project management tools is you can set up those milestones that I just mentioned, and then you can set up tasks within each milestone. You plug in your client's email address, and then you set up what automations you want to run from there. So for this milestone, two days out, email this person with this document. And then they can, you know, check it off as complete. They can upload whatever they need to. Again, it depends on what the milestone is, but this is all very, very, very automatable with software that quite frankly doesn't even cost that much and is highly repeatable because once you lay out that process map once, guess what? You just duplicate it for every client thereafter. And then maybe you need to spend 10 minutes augmenting it because like I said, oh, this event is during this season. And so we have to do this other thing for it whatever it is, you know, but you're editing things on the margins that take minutes instead of having to do this, you know, one at a time, which would be crazy. 
And the thing is, people, again, are probably thinking, that's going to take me so much time to set up. However, if you put in the work at the beginning, you set this up once, like you said, you can repeat it. And actually, you need to look at the time going forward as we're working with more of these Gen Z couples and the people coming after them, which are going to be even more technology intense, is that actually you're saving time from them coming back to you worrying about the fact that you haven't done stuff because they know that you're on top of it. You're saving that, um, you know, they're staying in that happy place. Your reviews are going to be better. So putting in the time to get these processes in is actually going to pay off down the line. Now, one of the other things I've noticed about Gen Z for sure is that they want everything and they want everything now. So we've talked about the Amazon Prime effect and how, you know, if you can't order it and it doesn't come the next day, it's like, oh, it's so annoying. As wedding pros who have been around a long time, sometimes we find this difficult that people want instant responses. So what are Gen Z looking at from us? Are they wanting us to be available to them 24 hours a day? What are they expecting and how can we best serve them? So they certainly expect fast response times. If you're not responding within 24 hours to a lead or to an existing customer, they're going to get frustrated. And in fact, there's a lot of data behind this, which we're not talking about sales. But if you respond to a lead within eight minutes, you are significantly more likely to convert them into a customer. <laughs> now, you can't always be on your phone to be able to you know, respond in eight minutes. And, and this is where automation comes in. And Gen Z knows when it's an automated response, but at least... They got that immediate gratification and your automated response says like, you will hear from me within 24 to 48 hours, whatever that is. And so I think we have to be realistic with ourselves. Like we're not, we have to sleep, we have to eat, we have to work with other clients. Like we can't always be around. And so what can you do to make sure people feel like they're being heard? And I think the first thing is, you know, upfront having that auto response of like, I hear you, I'm going through my inbox, I'll be in touch. The second thing I'm always going to go back to this process map that you drew out. If they know what's coming and they understand that in one month I have a dedicated meeting with you to talk about XYZ, they're not going to reach out to you two months before that and be like, hey, when are we going to talk about this? So I go back to, yes, you're setting up time up front, but you're saving yourself from, you know, people reaching out to you saying, what are we supposed to be doing? I did that. I remember vividly. I, I emailed my vendors and I was like, I feel like I should be doing something <laughs> like what's going on. So you're saving yourself time from having to answer these one-off emails around when is this happening or what am I supposed to be doing? You're saving yourself from having to respond to those emails in a fast manner. Otherwise they get frustrated but just one thing that I, I would always remind people is the way in which Gen Z communicates is also very different than the way that we were previously used to. So again, going back, you know, 20 years, phone calls were, were kind of the norm, you know, and then we obviously moved into email. Gen Z definitely prefers faster communication methods, i.e. text messaging. And so Again, there's a lot of different tech products that you can use so that you're not like blowing up your personal cell phone. And you can also like set automated text responses and things like that. So it's also a benefit in that, you know, I feel like sometimes you get an email and you're like, Ugh, okay, I have to get to my desk and respond to this email. Whereas if it's a quick text, you're like on the go. Yep. See it. You know, I'll, I'll call you later or whatever. So I would just keep in mind that like they prefer short more frequent communication as opposed to like kind of longer, more drawn out communication. 
I think that's really important for us to remember because, again, as a typical millennial, we tend to err a little bit towards email or we find the DM stuff frustrating sometimes. I know that some of my clients will say, I don't want anyone to send me messages on DMs. I only want to move everyone to email. But at the same time, I've had conversations with people in their early 20s where I've said, I sent you this on email. Did you not get it? And they're like, why did you send it to me on email? I never check my email. So it's this whole like mindset shift where I'm like, well, I sent it to you on email, so you got it instantly. But they're just not looking at their email in the same way they look at their Facebook Messenger, their Instagram Messenger, their WhatsApp. Yes. And obviously, again, down to our time, that's hard. But there are tools that exist if you just Google like single inbox, where these apps will pull all of your DMs across all of your social platforms and you can kind of activate which ones you want it to aggregate. And then you, at least as the business owner, have everything in one place so that you're not jumping between 20 different inboxes a day, which is huge because it's so easy. Like, oh, I didn't check my like, Twitter DMs because he was DMing me on Twitter. And so therefore I missed, you know, that this couple's response or whatever. That's so good. I think I need to do that because I, do you ever do this thing where you think, where did I send that message? And I'm like going through Instagram, then my Facebook messenger, then I'm like, oh no, did I WhatsApp them? And sometimes I have the same person and I'm having one conversation with them on Facebook messenger and a totally different conversation on WhatsApp, even though they're the same person. So I love that you can bring them all into one place. Now let's just move on a little bit more deeply into technology and how Gen Z are viewing technology and why technology matters when it comes to us as wedding industry professionals. Now, I can definitely see the generation way below Gen Z. So my children are six and nine. They are a generation that get frustrated when technology doesn't do things they expect it to do. So for example, we'll be uh, in a hotel room or something like that. And they go to the TV and they're like trying to swipe the TV or they go to my laptop and they're touching the screen because they expect it to be touchscreen. And when it isn't, they're incredibly frustrated that they can't do something. So where are Gen Z when it comes to technology and within their wedding planning specifically? Yeah. So I think you know, it goes back to something I said in the beginning where every aspect of life at this point, particularly for the younger generations, is what I call tech enabled. So this could be something as simple as you go to the doctor's office now and there's a kiosk to check in, right? They're using technology to automate some of their processes and make it easier for, for you as a patient to, to check in and be seen and store your information, et cetera. By the way, all of this tech enablement leads to all of us not wanting to talk to humans. <laughs> So that's kind of one like really basic example. Another example is, you know, I'll, I'll stick in the medical field because I feel like typically that's seen as like an archaic industry, but they're actually, I think, adopting technology at a faster rate than the events industry. You know, text message reminders about upcoming appointments, reply yes to confirm, no to cancel. Great. I no longer have to call you to cancel. Wonderful. You know, even telemedicine, right? The fact that that exists, which was like a, a blessing actually from, from the pandemic. So when you think about these previously kind of human intensive areas of their life that have now become tech enabled when they do enter a part of their life, like planning a wedding, that is such an important milestone and it doesn't feel the same. That's very jarring. And so touching on all of these things that we spoke about around, you know, automating some of your response times, creating a roadmap for them, creating, you know, preset milestones with documents that they can fill out and comment on and work collaboratively on. It is just the baseline expectation. And none of that, by the way, is fancy tech. Like you'll notice I did not say the word AI once. 
because I think that people are getting scared and overwhelmed by just what technology even means these days, right? Like, and, and me coming from the perspective of I'm a tech founder and, and very much so in that, that world, there's like a new flavor of the week every six months. And so I try to not focus on that because that's not what's going to drive my business or, or your business. I think what everybody kind of just always needs to think about is where are my clients? How do they want me to communicate with them? And then how do I communicate with them in that way at the right times about the right things in a way that doesn't cost me hours and hours of time, which is everything we've already talked about and can be not that scary. All you're doing is laying out what is my process? What are the milestones? And then how do I use maybe one project management tool to get there? And all of the time, the technology is improving in the events industry. I know you said that we're a bit slow adopters. We definitely are, but it's definitely improving. And I think the thing is when people are putting tools out there to help us with that, that's a great thing. So exactly as we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, you had your own frustration when you were getting married that there wasn't this place where you could design what you wanted the space to look like and it would look like the room layout and you can visualize it all. And so you created it. So now you've created it, that enables all of us to be able to use that and give our clients a better experience. So how does that work? Your piece of software in particular, how does that work? How does that benefit us as uh, business owners or as venues and why will Gen Z like it? So I think first and foremost, it comes down to aligning expectations. And so it's really hard for somebody who has never planned a wedding to communicate to you what they want. And that's why we leaned so much on like Instagram and Pinterest for so long, because it was a good tool for us to say like, this is what I want. Now, what we've already talked about is they've kind of shifted off of that. They want you know, more unique experiences. So how do they explain to you what's in their head, you know, and get that on a piece of paper? And then similarly, how do you as an event professional digest what they want and then turn that into something that they can understand? Well, luckily the common language that everybody speaks is, is what it looks like. And so Mary kind of allows that expectation alignment of like, this is what I'm hearing let me show you what I think you're saying and, and make sure we're on the same page. That could be about the layout of, of the venue, right? How am I going to fit this many people in the space? What am I going to do if it rains? All of these different variables that the venue might need to communicate to a client that could have to do with the design, what linens will look best, you know, and how do I make it look like this garden whimsical theme that is in my vision? And how do we make it like X, Y, Z? So from the venue to the rentals and the decor and, you know, everything in between, it gives you that opportunity to, to align up front and make sure that you guys are on the same page. The second thing, going back to allowing them to be self-reliant, but, you know, they want a partner in this, this is probably a milestone in your process, right? Whether it's finalizing the floor plan, whether it's placing the rental order, finalizing the seating chart, all these things that we tie together on Mary, you can invite them to marry as a client, give them different permissions, and they can work on it on their own. And then you can see what they did. You can, by the way, also do it for them and only give them read-only access. So it depends on, on how you want to work and what's best for your business. But what's great is if you if you do want to give them access to this, they can play around in it, have fun. It feels like they're playing a video game. It's a great tool for them to tell you what they want. 
And then also they can spend time doing things that maybe you don't want to do, like guest list management seating chart, and you can focus more on, okay, for this guest count, here's the best way to lay out the space. So it's leveraging your strengths, but also taking you know their time into account and letting them do the things that maybe you don't want to do or they should be doing from the get-go. And so who do you think Mary is best for? Like who, who is the person that is going to benefit other than the client from this system the most? So we work with three primary customers. The first is the venue. So how do I show a client what our venue can look like for different types of events? And then how do I finalize a floor plan for their event, whether it's me doing it or them doing it themselves? The second would be event planners and and designers or, or, or decorators who are either invited by the venue or join on their own to finalize that floor plan, do all of the, you know, furniture, linens, lighting, florals, et cetera. And then third would be the rental companies. So we've built this concept of like a virtual showroom for rental companies where you can see their full inventory in, you know, different settings and and understand kind of what that's going to cost, see it in a cart and, you know, send them a, a quote request. You can export it, you know, in both a PDF or an Excel. So to kind of summarize what that looks like is we tie together the logistical and execution oriented aspects of an event, which oftentimes the the venue plays most of a role in with the more inspirational and aspirational aspects of an event, which is more where the furniture rental companies, you know, decor companies come into play. And then the planners is somewhere in the middle, right? Where they're kind of brokering between those two things. The thing is, we're on a podcast and it's a very, very visual platform. So I would encourage those of you listening (laughs) to go and just take a look at this piece of software because I did before we recorded this interview, I was taking a look through it and I was blown away by it. So I have put the link in the show notes. So to understand what we're talking about and how it's going to benefit your couples, you need to go and check it out. So go to that website link and have a look visually because it's really cool how you can build the room in 3D and you know for a venue you could build a whole venue plan so people could do a virtual look around the venue you can add in all those different colors and different pieces of furniture and see how it all lays out and you can even if i'm right if your venue that you want to work with isn't on the platform you can just submit the full plan to you and then you will add it into the platform is that right that's right so that is pretty cool so that any venue that wants to work with you or any planner that wants to work with you, they can go ahead and submit that. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, this sounds really interesting, I recommend going and checking it out because as we talked about, the future is technology focused. The future couples are technology focused. And I do think that this is a way you can elevate yourself in the marketplace to showcase what you do in a really technological friendly way. And I love that the couples can log in and play with it themselves as well. because they want to be super involved. Self-reliance. Exactly. And also as a planner, when you're saying, you know, there is no way that we're going to fit 25 round tables in this space, you can go, you go and try and do it. Come back to me. Yeah. We actually do things like if you place things too close together or in front of a door, they like turn red and we yell at you. (laughs) Um, So we try to prevent that from happening because, you know, someone who doesn't know better, like I didn't when I was planning my wedding, if you, if they physically fit in the space, you're like, this works. And then you have to come in and say, well, how are they going to walk through to pass out the, the meals? <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, you know, leaving room for things just doesn't really click for people who don't work in the industry. 
so fun. So do go and have a look at that piece of software. And as we close the podcast, I always finish with the same question. So Randy, I'm going to share this question with you. And it's this, what's one thing you wish you'd known in your own business sooner? Everything takes longer and is more expensive than you expect. So plan accordingly. (laughs) Everything takes longer and is more expensive than you'd expect. So plan accordingly. So how are we going to plan accordingly? We're just going to put more budget aside and give ourselves more time. Yep. (laughs) And set your own expectations. Yeah. (laughs) Set your own expectations higher or lower? Uh, Lower when it comes to how fast you think something's going to happen. I think everyone thinks, you know, if I do this, it's going to take off immediately. And that's just not for 99% of, of, you know, the universe. That's just not how it works. Takes time. Even for Facebook, it took time. Like they did a lot of iterations before it really blew up. So we need to be kinder to ourselves because even the big companies are taking a whole lot of time to get this stuff done. Randy, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and talking all things Gen Z. What's coming up behind Gen Z? Like what's next? We're going to have to get you back on when they start getting engaged. I know. I, I, I haven't even thought about that. I feel like we were talking about millennials for so long. We've still got time. Let's figure out Gen Z. We'll, you know, optimize our workflows for them. And then we've got some time to kind of rest on our laurels, hopefully. Looking at my children, I think it's terrifying what's coming next. So I agree with you. Let's stick with Gen Z (laughs) for now. Randy, it's been such a pleasure. If people want to find out more about Mary, more about what you do, where's the best place for them to find you? Go to bemary.com, B-E-M-E-R-R-I.com or find us on Instagram, just at Mary. Fabulous. And thank you so much for your time. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. That was just the most interesting conversation. Isn't it fascinating to think about how people are different and how wedding planning is changing over time? We're so stuck in our own generation that it's hard to change and adapt to do things differently. But I think there was some really great piece of advice in there about just small things we can do to take ourselves forward into the future. Make sure you go and check out the software because it will blow your mind. And I'll see you all next time. Mm-hmm.